We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the Bee Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. Perspective. How often have we used that word and thought we knew what we meant but in reality, didn't take a deeper dive into what it actually meant to those we come into contact with. Hey, everyone, Dr. Jones here with another episode of Seeing to Lead. And this episode is really interesting because we talked to Kelly Chase, a history teacher who's created her own podcast episodes to use in class. Her podcast is called The History Detective Podcast, and she's recently even created a History Detective YouTube channel that offers classroom-ready teaching resources for teachers because she realized early on that, yes, she could teach history according to textbooks and the stories and narratives that were provided in those. However, that might not be the actual story because of marginalized groups, because of, you guessed it, perspective. You see, we have a good conversation about The idea of teaching perspective of underrepresented groups is a difficult one because you have to do it in a fashion that creates allies for those groups moving forward due to a deeper, newer understanding instead of just insisting people take that viewpoint. Kelly Chase also realized along this journey that there are different perspectives even within the same group. And that that needs to be highlighted as well. Look, we had a great conversation. We talked about sharing instructional practices, utilizing individuals in the building for professional development, and the idea that teaching has changed and it will continue to change. As a result, we can't continually teach or lead the same way year after year based on just the diversity that we have in our buildings each year. You have to continually adjust and tweak the strategies that you use. Well, that's enough from just me. This was a great conversation with Kelly, who is just about to release her first book, History, Her Story, Our Story, Inspirational Women Who Shaped the World. So let's hear from Kelly Chase on Seeing to Lead. Let's talk about flex time in schools. 
The potential benefits to our students make it worth exploring. More time for personalized learning, increased choice and agency for students, and the increased engagement that comes along with it. Dedicated time for intervention. Overall, as school leaders, it gives us and our faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be a challenge. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold us back from ensuring students make good use of their time. I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose. And with seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and an intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. Want to see for yourself? Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. I think sometimes in leadership, if you're not in the classroom, you forget. So maybe the last time you were in the classroom was 20 years ago, and that's a bunch of kids that had no access to TikTok, no access to mobile phones, no technology. There weren't one-to-one computers in the class. It is a completely different beast now. So I think staying in touch, if you as a leader can go in and pick a random class and go, I'm going to teach year eight English today and give that teacher a break. Dr. Chris Jones here and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Kelly Chase is a high school history teacher and middle leader. She is the creator of the History Detective podcast and more recently, the History Detective YouTube channel which is a classroom-ready teaching resource that teachers can use in both their classroom and online learning environments. Kelly started her teaching journey as an English as a second language teacher in Japan and eventually made the switch to high school where she fell in love with teaching history. She has a passion for both First Nations Australian history and women's history. Kelly is just about to release her first book, History, Her Story, Our Story, Inspirational Women Who Shaped the World. I'm excited about talking to Kelly today because one, I'm a little bit of a history geek myself. And two, she started her podcast and has a book that really acts as resources for teachers. So Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. I love your podcast. Oh, thank you. You know, talking about podcasts, why don't we, why don't we start with your podcast? I love the idea of a podcast that you've created. And we talked a little bit about it before the show, but why don't you let the listeners know how that came about, why you did that and the purpose it serves. Well, when the podcast boom started, I started listening to podcasts. I downloaded the app and went, ah, this is a fantastic medium. You can choose your own adventure with listening. 
So I thought this is a bit great for history students, for students in the classroom. But when I would search for particular topics that I was teaching, I would find that podcasts would go for an hour or an hour and a half or even two hours. And as a teacher, you know, you've got a really limited amount of time and you can't just sort of set them something to listen to for two hours in class. So I wanted to have, I wanted to have something that was a little bit shorter, but also the podcasts were aimed at a little bit higher cognitively, assuming that people had a prior knowledge of particular events in history, assuming they had prior vocabulary. And also some of them were a little bit sweary. There was a bit too many curse words in there for me to show to my students. So I thought I've been thinking for ages and ages, years in fact, and I'd planned out a name and I had a little logo and I had a great idea for a podcast that I would have little 10 to 15 minute bites of history that teachers could use in the classroom. They were linked to the curriculum and then they could plan activities around them or talk about them, have discussion questions. And it wasn't until really the pandemic that this idea got, I got a bit of a kick in the pants and went, I better do this. I've got a great idea. And I could share this with other teachers who might be teaching from home and needing to have a resource where they can have someone else teach their students for 10 minutes while they go to the bathroom or get a (laughs) cup of coffee or something. Absolutely love it. I, you know, You talk about sharing with other teachers and I love the idea of it gives students something to do where they have that different voice. So even changing up for that transition, the sharing with other teachers piece really stuck out to me though. So you create these podcast bites, so to speak, as you said, and share them with other teachers. I know teachers, you know, they'll use video clips, movie clips in classrooms and walk students through it. How do principals get a resource like yours into teachers' hands and then encourage them to use that instead of the movies in maybe a flipped classroom model where they can then come in and have discussions and they listen to them as a separate piece of class. I try to make it accessible because I try to also have a transcript available. So for students who, for accessibility reasons, basically, and in that transcript that I have on my website, it's History Detective Podcast. Each of the episodes has five or six words that are highlighted that I've kind of chosen that kids might not know. And those are directly linked to a dictionary definition. So I like that accessibility. And I've also had a, a teacher email me and said a girl who is vision impaired really loves the podcast because she's able to listen to the stories and get into it and not have to not have to watch something or read something, but can actually listen to. But also there's students with dyslexia that are unable to access a written text, are able to listen to a story and engage with it and understand it. You know, Or students with literacy issues are able to have those accessibility options as well. So that's kind of, that's what I hope. I don't know how principals are going to get it out to them out to the teachers, but I wish that they would like share it with the teachers. Go, here's this. Well, I will definitely be sharing it with my teachers. But but just a like, you created this as a passion that you had, or you wanted to do it, and you said COVID gave you that kick in the pants. Is this something? Just in your estimation, is this something that if if principals could get teachers extra time, or 
they could give them time during the day and maybe even a little bit of money for like professional development and curriculum development that it could be something teachers would do to use in their classroom? Do you mean for them to create their own? Yeah. The thing is, is that I think you have to be quite passionate about it because it is very time consuming, especially with the research. So it needs to be something that you know about and you need to have quite robust research on a topic. You don't want to put out there something that's half-baked, especially when it's coming to history. And and you also want to, you know, maybe perhaps with other topics that aren't so, that are a bit more straightforward. I think that definitely, this would definitely be something that a teacher might be able to do, especially with English and taking apart books and analyzing books or even with particular topics to do with science and maths and STEM and all those kind of things. Yeah. But with history, it's quite time consuming. But because it's such a passion of mine, I'm happy to put in the time. And I really want the, to be able to show different perspectives and within my research, be able to research different perspectives from the primary sources and secondary sources that I use in the research. So Definitely. Um, and that's also a thing that you can, a lot of teachers have started to use podcasting with students where they create their own podcast. I haven't done that personally, but I have seen it done and or heard it done. And it's a really interesting exercise for students to be able to have that agency over their own learning as well. I have a teacher that does that not on a consistent basis, but does that with advanced placement history. And every once in a while, the students will release a podcast and it's them having a discussion about a topic that they've learned in class. And I I think that's fantastic because their understanding of the topic comes out. Now, it's not being used as an instructional tool like yours is because yours is so well-researched, but it is, it's used as almost like an informational piece where a discussion or perspective is there. And the reason I keep mentioning perspectives is because I think that's important. And I think it's important to have different perspectives. And you had mentioned before that you found that when you started to do some of your podcasting and that there were voids that you could fill with that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. When I first started teaching history, I you don't necessarily teach the history that you learned in university or college. So you rely quite heavily on the resources that are available and those will probably be the textbooks or anything you can Google. But what I was finding with the textbooks that were provided that were printed relatively recently and only 10 years ago is that I would open up a chapter to Viking history or Japanese shogunate Japan and find out that there were a 100 men represented and seven pictures of women maybe doing some housework or something like that. And I 100% know that women were there because the men don't exist without the women having babies. (laughs) So I started noticing that there were gaps in the narrative and that the textbooks were being written from a particular place of privilege and usually this who we decide and we're going to record the in the archives the sources from these people were often from a very male perspective and i wanted to show girls that women can be included in history as well but i also wanted to show boys in the classroom 
that women's voices are worth listening to and they can do things in history as well. So it's not just about empowering women. It's about making boys allies to women and accepting that girls are as just as valid part of history as well. That's such a powerful message to deliver to students about, like you said, not just representation, because that's important, but the idea of value and value added. And, you know, I, when I listen to you talk about this, I think about how the amount of diversity that we see in our schools, and there are still subgroups that feel left out and they don't have that mirror experience where they see themselves or that window experience where they see where they could be. How powerful or useful can podcasting be to help that situation at schools, do you think? Podcasting can be incredibly powerful because there is such a diversity of voices out there. I mean, of course, if you look at the statistics and there's a lot of voices on Twitter saying it's a very male-dominated space, but you can find voices from anyone because it's a medium that basically is free to be able to put your voice up there. I mean, you might pay for a podcasting host or something like that, but anybody can put their perspective or their voice up there. So the voices are there and there are so many, because I listen to a lot of history podcasts, obviously, being a history teacher. (laughs) But there are so many different diverse stories about history that I've learned from podcasting of different people. You just, it's, it takes a little bit to search for them. It's hard to kind of get through all of them. It's virtually impossible. But there's definitely such a diversity of voices out there that you don't get with the textbooks or when you're doing a basic lesson plan, Google search. So I think podcasting is a really interesting medium for sharing a diverse array of voices out there that can showcase our children that their voices can be heard. So so let's talk about that perspective a little more because you're about to release your first book called History, Her Story, Our Story, Inspirational Women Who Shaped Our World. So talk to us a little bit about that book and what drove you. I mean, we got a taste of it when you were talking about underrepresentation of women in the textbooks and so forth. But talk to us a little bit about that journey, how you got to the idea of writing the book and what's in the book. What's the purpose of your book? The purpose of the book, it's, it can be, it works a couple of ways. It can be a resource for teachers to get ideas of women that they could include in their classroom. They don't necessarily have to tell the story of the woman. They they can tell the story. They can, it can point to the podcast or it can point to the YouTube channel or it can just, you can just read the content as it is. But there's also reflection questions in there. But there's also a little bit of a guidebook at the beginning of how to be a little bit more gender inclusive in the classroom and what you can teach, how you can teach, what not to shy away from and how you can create an environment where it's a bit more gender inclusive than the current textbook space that we have for teachers and the current resources that we have for teachers. So it basically 
But it also, it can be used for people who are not teachers and who just love history or someone who's a maths teacher who's into history <laughs> and wants to hear about interesting women. I've tried to be a little bit diverse. Um, of course, it does skew a little bit towards Australian history, a little bit. But I've also got voices of women from Japan, from Vietnam, like a female perspective of the Vietnam War, a female Vietnamese woman during the war. There's also perspectives of French, Indian, try to get women from all around the world and even First Nations Australian women as well as women who might feature on our money. Excellent. So. Is it, how does it read? Is it a portrait of women? Is it more of a narrative style? Or are we talking like a history textbook style? It's more of a narrative style. I try to have my, a little bit of a quirky voice in there. (laughs) and try to keep that (laughs) voice in there. But also at the end of each chapter, you'll find some reflection questions. You'll find some vocabulary that you can talk about with your students at the beginning. And you'll also find at the end a list of resources and sources that I've used for the research in every chapter because I wanted to model that, yes, I am using resources for my research. I'm not just, you know, blabbing on about (laughs) what I think, but I've used actual research for this information. And if you want to find out more, you can go and look up these places. Most of them are online. Some of them are from traditional ye olde books. Now, you it's interesting because you, I mean, it sounds like you're blending the traditional with the need for a new modern perspective on inclusivity. Is that fair to say? Yeah. So how does that, how can we as leaders in the classroom or in schools help in the classroom and help teachers like yourselves increase their ability to instruct with different perspectives or increase their ability to help students see the value added in diverse populations? Because that seems like it's an important factor to you. Oh, absolutely. I think it's incredibly important to not just look from one perspective. It's important to look at how you can this particular group of people or this particular individual person within a group of people, because not all groups think the same. You can't just say that's the perspective of the Indigenous Australian people. Within that group of people, there are, you know, a diverse array of perspectives as well. So you can have a perspective of an Indigenous Australian person or a First Nations person who agrees with the topic, someone who disagrees with the topic, someone who partly agrees with the topic. So I think it's really important to try and to be able to show the different perspectives of, we're always coming back to perspectives, aren't we? (laughs) And that's something, it's funny because my son's 17. He's, you know, got his first girlfriend and Whenever he comes home with one of those life dramas, I'm like, have you thought about the other person's perspective or this person's perspective, (laughs) which is exactly what I do in a history classroom. So it is applicable to your life, not just the history class, because you can say, all right, I'm involved in this situation or this kind of conflict is happening within my life. Can I apply this idea of being able to see other people's perspectives within 
the situation to make me more empathetic person or to make me understand their point of view and to make me be able to resolve the conflict in a less, I guess, uh, head-to-head way that being yeah. able to talk through someone else's someone else's ideas and what their ideas might be. So these this idea of learning someone else's perspective is a life skill. That's absolutely. And I just have to say that's because my my two boys suffer through that a little bit with me because I used to be a history teacher before <laughs> moving into leadership. And I always say to them, that's what you get for having a history teacher as a dad. Because I'm always saying, well, what about the other perspective? Where are people coming from? So that's a good thing. I'm so glad you mentioned the word empathy because we all talk about social emotional learning these days and more so as time goes on, and especially after the pandemic and so forth. But, you know, there's a lot of self-awareness tied into that. And it sounds like from what goes on with the students you have, that you stress that self-awareness through providing these different resources and these different perspectives, which allows them to be empathetic because not only do they realize the perspective of others, but they start to realize where they're coming from and why that might be one-sided. So I, I really liked that you mentioned empathy. Supporting your teachers and students seems to be a struggle. They just don't seem to be engaged. You wish they would take more responsibility for their learning and culture of the building, but they just don't seem to be empowered enough to do it. So my question is, have you checked out the book Seeing to Lead yet? It's all about creating a true educational experience where learning, growth, leadership, and community take center stage. Full of strategies and resources, Seeing to Lead is about attaining that goal by employing a model that supports, engages, and empowers all individuals to become leaders themselves. Pick up a copy today at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com. Remember, you don't become a leader and then decide you need to support and recognize others more than yourself. It is the moment you realize it's about supporting and recognizing others that you become a leader. Seeingtolead.com. You talk about, so you're writing this, you're writing this book that clearly from the way you explain it with highlighting vocabulary, with hitting the different levels like that and the reflection areas and that narrative piece that's more engaging than your typical history textbook, unless you're kind of a history geek like myself who kind of gets into that. But you also talk about how you use podcasts. And before you were trying to use podcasts before you created a podcast, what does your classroom look like? I'm just dying to ask you, like, what's your typical classroom day look like? Does, is it, does it have Socratic discussion in it? Does it have Harkness discussion in it? Does it have multiple steps that you go through? Well, it's, I think it's a mix of everything because with history, as you know, You've got to kind of get some content out before you can have the discussions. Because yeah, just a little. <laughs> you've got to push out a little bit of content. So I like to kind of get that content out there in different ways, whether it's visual with clips, videos, whether it's through a podcast, whether it's listening together, whether it's reading together or some guided reading, because Kids, I find these days they've got a bit of a deficit in vocabulary and often history texts can be quite dense with difficult. So whether it's guiding them through that and once we get through that and it doesn't have to be 
an uninterrupted chunk of learning. If there's something you need to talk about, you want to discuss, you want to have a debate about, I love a good debate. And I love a structured debate as well, where you give children sources and you say, okay, I'm giving you all the same sources, but you're going to argue this side and you're going to argue this side based on the information that you've got in the sources. Then you come together and have a bit of a presentation Then you're okay, where do you actually sit now that you don't have to argue that perspective? So there's an array of things. Sometimes I'll, the other day I marched my student down into the bush because we were looking at Australian history and the South Sea Islander slave trade that happened in my state, Queensland, and I wanted them to get an idea of what the land was like before white colonisation. So I marched them down to the bushland that's next to our school and just made them think about it. Sometimes I do things like that. I've got a sand pit up the back of my school that has a body buried in it. They're not a real one. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> just saw your face then. Yeah. <laughs> it's called a uh, disarticulated skeleton from a physio yeah. supply store. <laughs> that, that was funny. You said a body buried and I'm like, what? Because we do a unit on um, archaeology and I wanted to talk uh. about the techniques and, and I, it's always a nice surprise for a kid who I'm, you know, showing the techniques and they discover a human skull. That's awesome. But there's also a bit of a story in there that there's all these other things that they can find in there. There's that I've got a little story that I made up about the body that I buried in there and that burnt down in a house fire and he really liked Spider-Man for some reason. What? I was going to say, you can't just drop that you have a story made up and not explain that story. (laughs) That's fantastic. So there's always like sometimes it's sitting in the classroom, sometimes I really need to just separate the desks and get them to read or do their work or write. I do a lot of guided instruction on how to write in a more academic way. And I love writing myself, which is why I write all my podcasts and I write my book. And I get excited and they see me getting really excited about writing and then go, oh no, I'm going to change that word. How can we write this sentence better? And they get to kind of be a part of that and see that. And how can we include evidence? We need some evidence in this writing. We can't just have it as my opinion. What fancy words are we going to use? This is the words we're choosing from. So it's not just one style of teaching. I mean, some, I have an escape room for year nine, World War One. So they're not allowed to escape until they've solved some numeracy puzzles within the World War One activity. Um, so there's a lot of different things that go on in the classroom. Not always the same things. <laughs> That's fantastic. Your room, can I go back to school? Can I enroll in your school? Your classroom sounds so engaging. And, you know, so because of the person you are, you've decided to make it engaging. And you've decided to take these steps for students and really hook them in. And obviously, there are parts along the way that support them. There's always those little pieces that you have to do. But how does a leader help that happen? If I were to be new to your school, say I was the new leader to your school, and I watched you go to work for a week and see what you Mm -hmm. do in your classroom, I think my main goal in your classroom would be to, yes, see things and maybe see if there was a way I could help you tweak anything. But basically get out of your way because you're so engaged and you're so empowered in taking these extra steps. How would I help other teachers 
become that engaged? How would I support them to do that and to be able to take those other steps and get into lessons the way you do? I think there is a lot of merit in shared practice or being able to share your ideas and say, this is what I do. This is how you can do it. And professional development from the people at the school. Often we teach in a little bubble and we teach in our room and nobody knows what goes on in the other people's room, but opening up the conversation to say, hey, why don't you go and see what's going on in that room, whether it be a history class or a science class or a geography class or an English class, and sharing that practice to see how other teachers in the school are working and also supporting creativity and don't say no, say yes and that whole (laughs) improvisation. (laughs) Yes, and what can we do? How can we make that even more interesting or how can you apply that idea to your subject or your classroom? But I think definitely shared practice and finding out what other teachers are doing. And that's part of my creativity was I hopped on Twitter, I don't know, however many years ago. And that's where I started to get some fantastic ideas. And, you know, the idea where I take, the kids walk in and there's a chalk outline of a body that they have to solve the mystery to find out how this kid died. It's the introduction to an industrial revolution unit. And it turns out that the child had died down a mine shaft and it uses a primary source of a newspaper as the evidence and the kids kind of work out and then they go, okay, what era are we studying? What are we going to study this term? So so just that, I got that from Twitter. Got So shared practice, I think, is a really great idea to be able to experiment and try things out. Not everything's going to work. I tried some things from Twitter that didn't work. I've tried some things that did sort of work and I've had to tweak the next time around. So just being open to learning and changing and not teaching the same way every time and knowing that your students that you got in front of you are very different to the same students you had last year. If you're teaching the same topic and you can't always teach exactly the same way for the diversity that you've got in your class. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, you just pretty much gave a small course on why we need to make sure we use the talent that we already have in the buildings for PD. Yeah. Instead of, you know, bringing somebody in to talk for a little while, maybe show a couple strategies and then leave. Yeah. I call it the taillight warranty. Their usefulness is gone as soon as you can't see their taillights anymore. But um, it's you know, that's such a strong argument. You know, you have a podcast, you have a YouTube channel with resources, you're writing a book, you've done all of these things. And you talked about how you started with English and then became passionate about history and teaching. All that being said, I want to use those things to launch into the the two questions I ask every guest as we get near the end of this podcast. If you weren't an educator, who, not what would you be? I had a big think about this question. And the answer that I came, kept coming back to was lost. I'd be lost. Really? Without teaching. Yeah. I love it so much. The funny thing is I didn't get into teaching until late. I was probably, I didn't go back to uni until I was in my 30s. So I did spend a big bunch of time not being a teacher. And I, in that time, I was doing creative endeavors. I was, you know, doing kids entertainment. So I was still kind of in the field. And I was doing a bit of singing and dancing and music and all that kind of stuff, which are all elements that I've brought into 
my podcast and my teaching and the YouTube channel. But I, it wasn't until I started high school teaching that I truly went, this is who I am. This is what I need to be sharing learning and sharing a love of learning with the students. And I, I didn't particularly like high school. It was fine, whatever. It was a place, but I want to create a classroom that kids want to be in and want to be excited about learning and want to, you know, get in contact with me. And I had a, a student that I taught in year nine. He didn't take senior history, but he just got in contact with me recently and said, guess what, miss? Because we're all called miss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> guess what, miss? I'm going back to school. He's, it's, he's three years out of school now. He's like, I'm going back to uni, and which is our college here. I'm going back to uni. I'm going to be a history teacher because I really love what you taught me in year nine. <laughs> is, like, oh. I was going to say, is there anything better than that? Yeah, <laughs> so good. That's so excellent. good. And then he's been messaging me books that I should read about war and stuff. <laughs> so it's, it's nice that students can, you know, apply stuff that they've learned, even when they're 14 years old, going, you know, being hit in the face with puberty. They still remember these core experiences that they had in a, a classroom and it's something that they can carry through with them for the rest of their lives and this love of learning, which is exciting. So yeah, that's, I'd be lost without being a teacher. That's excellent. That is absolutely fantastic. So what's the best piece of advice you would give to leaders as they work to better support, engage, and empower those they serve? I think circling a little bit back to what I already said is use the resources that you have and share the talents of the teachers that you have. But also there's I was at work a couple of weeks ago and I was needed to meet with the principal for a reason and I said, Oh, where is he? And the secretary said, Oh, he's up teaching year seven. And I said, What? Okay, that's cute. <laughs> and I think Sometimes in leadership, if you're not in the classroom, you forget. So maybe the last time you were in the classroom was 20 years ago. And that's a bunch of kids that had no access to TikTok, no access to mobile phones, no technology. There weren't one-to-one -one computers in the class. It is a completely different beast now. So I think staying in touch, if you as a leader can go in and pick a random class and go, I'm going to teach year eight English today. And give that teacher a break. You know, that teacher might like a lesson to plan for their next. <laughs> or I'm going to go into a year 12 vocational education class on, I don't know, manual arts or even childcare or whatever class, but go and see the different, the different challenges that different teachers have in different areas of the school. So you as a leader can empathize with what they're going through. And you're not basing your ideas of what teaching might have been 20 years ago when you were teaching grade 7 PE. You're dealing with the current children and their current challenges and their the diversity that's in the classrooms now and the technology that's in the classrooms now. So I think for leaders to get out there and actually just at least once a term, give a teacher a break and go teach a class of theirs, their most difficult class, and go, what are you facing? 
And what are you facing at the coalface every day? <laughs> right, what do you right. have to deal with? Because I think that gives more empathy and it gives also them ideas of how they could help with behavior management, how they can help with making the content more engaging and also observing the teachers and observing the good teachers and the teachers aren't, who aren't so experienced or who are struggling to see what the issues are. So just getting out there, being visible. Good stuff. That's absolutely perfect. And you're right, because as leaders, if we're not going back into the classrooms, we lose touch. Yeah. And it's not because we're ignoring things, but, you know, that's a different story to be in front of a, in front of a group of students for a whole class period teaching a lesson. Mm -hmm. That's a lot different than parent phone calls or emails or whatever else we have to be doing as far as paperwork. Or meetings or unpacking data or... You know, bringing right. down the policy that's come in. I, I know it's very busy being a principal and it's hard to find that time, but I think it's important to make the time. Well, if it's important, we schedule it, right? Yeah. So. Especially because the core business is teaching students. And if you've forgotten what that's like, then how can you run the whole ship? Right. I have to tell you, Kelly, I've had a great time talking to you today. I, you know, I would recommend that anybody and everybody subscribe to your History Detective podcast and do the same for your YouTube channel because you have, you know, as you said, I said earlier in the bio, you have those classroom-ready teaching resources. Um, I think that's fantastic. And then, you know, if by the time this comes out, we can get a link to pre-order your book, History, Her Story, Our Story, Inspirational Woman Who Shaped Our World, I think everybody would be better for picking up a copy of that and using it as a classroom resource. I think your passion shows through and I'm just really, I'm really happy that you decided to come on today and share some of this wit and wisdom with us about teaching and how to create an engaging classroom and how leaders can help teachers do that. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure having this conversation. And I think it's fun for you to have an Australian accent on your show. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, any and all accents are welcome, but I think you're the... You're maybe the second Australian accent I've had. And I think I've had a a couple, I've had one British accent, but uh, others have been Canadian. That's an accent, but it's not, you know, it's not the, uh, it's not the Australian or the British accent. (laughs) Of course, to me, it's normal, but to you, it's a bit of a novelty. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, you know, they give folks like me from Massachusetts, they give a hard time about our Massachusetts accent. So I can't even imagine how messed up I sound on your end. (laughs) But no, I, we're kind of used to it. We get a lot of American content on our television. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, look, you know, if anybody wants to follow up with you or get in touch with you, what's the best way they can do that? Of course, Twitter is the place where I originally started connecting with teachers. I am at History Detect. I've also, I dabble in a little bit of Instagram it's at History Detective 9. There's also my website where you can find all of the transcripts for the episodes and links to the episodes. That's historydetectivepodcast.com, which is fairly simple. There's links to my email there as well. So awesome. I won't list them off. <laughs> I will. I'll link all of those up in the show notes so that people have them and I'll direct them to your website. And uh, no, hey, it's the least I can do because you're somebody that's putting out engaging content in a different way to help show different perspectives and the value of all these different people that we have together in our universe, on our planet, in our lived daily experience. So we got here somehow. It's because of history and there were a lot of people that helped it happen. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you would like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast today, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Also, one last thing. Have you had a chance to pick up my latest five-star rated book yet? Grab your copy of Seeing to Lead anywhere you buy books or at seeingtolead.com. That's S-E-E-I-N-G-T-O-L-E-A-D.com, where you can learn more and continue to improve. Now go have a successful week. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Jigsaw Learning. Whether you lead at the school, district, or division level, you're serving a wide array of students, and you know that no one person has all the answers when it comes to meeting each of their needs. That's why Jigsaw Learning helps leaders and their staff and faculty to develop a collaborative approach. Every child deserves a team, and when you put together the pieces of effective collaboration, you can realize that team's full potential. Connection relationships, and authentic collaboration are at the foundation of Jigsaw Learning's work. Through professional learning presented on-site, online, or a blend of both, Jigsaw's team of experienced learning associates works with you to develop a personalized plan to help collaborative response thrive in your organization. Learn why educators have described working with Jigsaw Learning as powerful, wonderful, and beneficial for all students. Visit jigsawlearning.ca and connect with the team for information. That's jigsawlearning.ca. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.